dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. We often emphasize the difficulty of work, toil, labor, sweat, pain, difficulties in many forms. But we don't always take the time to emphasize the positive aspects, including work seen in the light of the resurrection. I'd like to do that today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my friends, we've got a huge light to shine in our lives. And that huge light, that, that great light that Christ came to shine unto this earth is the light of the resurrection. And I want to just, uh, for us to start by really realizing how oftentimes we limit ourselves with such a small vision of who we are. We, we treat our lives on this earth almost as if this earth defined them instead of the other way around. Earth does not define a Christian life. The Christian life gives shape to his time and to the cultures of this earth and not the other way around. Christ has set us free from sin and therefore from death. And by being set free from sin and death, I don't live anymore in the parameters of an earthly life only. My earthly existence is extremely important. It's necessary. It is even beautiful in that it is my place whereby I work out my salvation. But I work out my salvation by, with my heart fixed in heaven, my hands in the mud of the earth, but my eyes in the heavens, and my heart in the Savior, such that everything that I do in this world, which is, of course, extremely important and necessary, I do as a hymn of thanksgiving to the God who has claimed me. Isn't this the way to overcome the drudgeries that befall us every day? And isn't this the way to cope with the anxieties that are constantly assailing our hearts and want to take over our lives? 
I mean, if, if we're not careful, all of the garbage that, that, that we get hit with every day from our kids, from our spouses, from our culture, from the economy, from the movies, right? I mean, you just, it can build up inside of us and we can feel overwhelmed as if there was nothing that we could really do about it, as if there was nothing that we could really change about our lives and about our culture. That mentality just breeds a type of defeat, really, a quitting deep inside. And a, a sentiment of like, I can't. Everybody else can and I can't. I don't know what I could possibly do with myself. And once we do that, someone else can take the leadership role in our families, in our hearts, in our lives, in our world. Because America is a culture that is dominated by the ones who want to take the position of leadership. And Christ has taken the kingship of this world and has told us who follow him that he wants us to do the same, that to rule in his name. When I see it in that perspective, my, my life can actually become an adventure instead of something that's dreary. So many of us, we're just dragging ourselves through this world wondering what good our days can produce. I'd like for you to instead realize that the good that your life can produce and that your days can produce is to be and to bring the glory of God to this earth. You know, there, there, there's a, a poem that I like very much. I'm going to read it for you because I, I, I want you just to, to, to taste something of its vision. And we're going to talk about it. It's a poem that's often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but that's not the correct uh, attribution. It's actually written by a woman named Marianne Williamson, who's a Catholic. And this is how it goes. Listen to this. It says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Isn't that beautiful? I just love that. You know, that, that line, right? It says, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. And, and we're meant to shine. Why? Because we're the image and likeness of God. Well, you see, the spirituality of work that Pope John Paul II lays out in his encyclical Laborum Exercens in paragraph 27, he lays out a vision that says that work is all about that shining. 
Now, now, it's not just about the shining. It's also about the toil and the difficulty and the pain and all of that we mentioned before, right? There's the sanctification of work by uniting it to the cross of Christ. But the Pope doesn't just unite work to the cross of Christ. He also unites it to the resurrection. And this is a stunning thought. Could it be that my life is actually bringing and called to bring the resurrection of Jesus Christ into this world? I mean, could it be that what would happen if I looked at my job as if my job was a wellspring of hope for a broken humanity? How would I approach it? A different attitude, right? Like we'd all have a different attitude. Instead of picking up our shovel and going to the mine, so to speak, we'd have a vision and a dignity of ourselves. I think that a lot of us are browbeaten by our culture and by our world, browbeaten by our work to think, you know what, I'm just, I'm a nobody. I'm just a blue-collar worker. I'm just a common laborer. I'm just an office worker. I'm just a low-level lawyer. We, 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 we find excuses to not shine. Go back to that poem again. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. What we're really afraid of is, is to, let, to let shine the real greatness that lies within. And here, Jesus comes in our midst to say, I did not redeem you to live a life of slavery and work. I redeemed you to transform the work by the power of my grace. Your work and your job is not just a sharing in the toil and as a punishment for sin. Your work and your job is your dignity and your honor and your vocation as a Christian. And I have given you that job so that through it, my light might shine in this world. And it's no small thing to shine the light of Christ. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So if we look at what Pope John Paul II writes in Laborum Exercens, this is an encyclical letter that he wrote about work Paragraph 27, he first emphasizes just how much work uh, shares in the sweat and the toil, right? He says, quote, this toil connected with work marks the way of human life on earth and constitutes an announcement of death, right? <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's how I feel every day. I'm one day closer to dying, right? And I'm looking forward to it even, you know, with my work. And I'm thinking to myself, get a new job, right, if it's that bad. But at the same time, right, we can feel that way. And yet, you know, and he, he underlines that. He says, in a sense, the final word of the gospel on this matter, as on others, is found in the Paschal mystery of Christ. It is here that we must seek an answer to these problems. The Paschal ministry contains the cross of Christ and his obedience unto death. And it also contains the elevation of Christ. But who, by means of death and a cross, returns to his disciples in the resurrection with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
In other words, John Paul II is saying, yes, we're going to emphasize that sweat and toil necessarily are the condition that work has. And so we need to offer that up. And we've talked about that, right? We've talked about offering your work up in union with the mass. That's the beauty of why mass is a sacrifice. The, the bloody sacrifice of Calvary represented in an unbloody manner upon the altar. Why that insistence of the Council of Trent to speak about the, the bloody sacrifice of Calvary being represented in an unbloody manner? Why is that? Because that's how a lot of us feel in our life. We feel just like pieces are being taken out of us every day. And the church wants to say that can be sanctified. Your long-suffering, your disease, your illness, your difficulty in your family, all of these are not strangers to Christ. He offered himself to God in a bloody sacrifice and now represented in an unbloody fashion so that all of us who are badgered by this life can unite ourselves to that sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the altar and worship Almighty God in and through our loneliness and our brokenness. And work is a big part of that because work can make us, can be a part of that bloodletting <laughs> on a daily basis. But that's not only it. And this is where the greatness starts to come in. Our greatness is not just that we're enduring a difficult life, everybody. Our greatness is not just that we have colds and when we have office presentations to do and every other sacrifice we have to make. Our greatness is that our work is also filled with the power of the resurrection. Here's what he says. He says, The Christian finds in human work a small part of the cross of Christ and accepts it in the same spirit of redemption in which Christ accepted his cross for us. And he goes, in work, thanks to the light that penetrates us from the resurrection of Christ, we always find a glimmer of new life, of the new good. As it were, an announcement of the new heavens and the new earth in which man and the world participate precisely through the toil that goes through work. Through toil and never without it. On the one hand, this confirms the indispensability of the cross in the spirituality of human work. On, on the other hand, the cross which this toil constitutes reveals a new good springing from the work itself, from work understood in depth. What's he saying here? He's saying that the person who accepts that toil for the sake of the good that is being produced and the good that he is called to produce actually gives witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ over that toil. It's work can be absorbed into our soul and transformed by the force of our will into a prayer. This is the good news of the Pope. It's not just a suffering, it's also a victory. How can I transform my work into prayer? How, the first is to take a bigger attitude towards it. The first step in transforming your work into prayer is to stop looking at yourself as just a greeter at Walmart or just a stock boy at the store or just a gasoline attendant. You are much more than that. You're a servant of your fellow human being on this earth. And being a servant of your fellow human being, 
you have the job of tending that corner of the garden that Christ, Christ has given you to tend. Isn't that amazing? If I shifted the attitude around, I wouldn't look down upon myself. Or I think, in other words, the more that you take a sense of dignity in what you do, it's, it's like, I remember one time uh, there was a, a boy and he was going into the store with his father and the boy had just come off of doing lawn work and he was all dirty and he just was, his clothes were dirty, his hands were dirty, he felt dirty and they stopped the car and the boy had driven the car because he was young at the time and his dad was helping him to drive and they get to the hardware store and they're going to go inside and the boy says, I, I don't want to go inside dad because I, I feel like I'm all dirt. You know, and he was kind of ashamed of himself. You know, like I'm just, I, I'm all dirt and I'm all, I, I just don't feel dignified. And I remember the, 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 the man, the, the boy telling me the story. He said his father looked at him and he said, son, a man should never be ashamed of dirt that comes from work. And the boy smiled, lifted up his head, and they went in together into the store. There's a sense of dignity that comes when we claim it. There's what do I have to be ashamed of? I have an honest day's job and an honest day's opportunity. The problem is not the work. The problem is that I'm not seeing the dignity in it. And the Pope is saying, lift up your head and your eyes and realize that you are making in a very small part, but you are part of making this new earth where justice dwells. And your job is to execute that work as cleanly, as efficiently, and as well as you possibly can. Because by so doing it, you're claiming this earth in the name of God. My friends, the first step to transforming your work into a prayer is by reclaiming its dignity and the way that you look at yourself. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. But that's not all, right? We need to look at ourselves and our, and our work with the dignity of, of God. But even more than that, there's this whole idea that by working, not only so I, I change my vision, but I also change my vision about my work and I say, the work itself that God has given me tends towards the development of his ultimate plan for this world. And therefore, I need to engage in my work because there's something being worked out here through me and in me that's causing us all to advance. And that advancement has its consummation in the kingdom of God. Now, the Pope is careful to, to differentiate, and the church is always differentiating, between the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of God, saying, be careful, it's not your work that's going to bring about the kingdom of God, right? There's a difference between everybody having enough to eat, everybody having enough bread, you know, and everybody being saints. And the kingdom of God is not of this world. It comes from above. And yet, when we dispose this world correctly, the kingdom of God can already erupt upon it in little flashes. And by disposing it, we can make all of us be pointed towards that kingdom more effectively. Here's what I mean. 
Think about the work uh, involved in motherhood and fatherhood. Parenting. What a job that is. Holy cow. You've been given these wily creatures whose whose job it seems to be to make your job difficult, right? They're hard to control. They're all over the place. They have energy. They have ideas. They're kind of busting at the seams at all times. And you say to yourselves, my gosh, how do, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to bring order into their life by your love, by your rhythms, by your discipline, by your sheer force of will, you bring an order into that little family environment. And what happens? The kids start sharing. Toys are shared. Rooms are cleaned. Character is formed. Good words are spoken. Apologies are made. The human soul all of a sudden opens itself up to its greatness. And the light begins to shine through it. And it was because of the work you did as a parent that God's kingdom can be made manifest in the family. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen constantly. But there are moments where all of us can look and say, it is good indeed. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. It is like fine oil being poured upon Aaron's beard and upon the colors of his robe. This fine oil of charity and of joy And when we work efficiently in the world and everyone does their job and insurance companies are there and they actually assess things correctly and people get what they needed and why they bought insurance to begin with and the new roof gets put on and the, or, you know, when, when the loan is made effectively and with good terms and the person's able to pay it back early and everybody gets what they need out of this world, this world hums in a beautiful way. And this is what work's job is to do. And there the Pope says he sees the glimmer of the resurrection. He quotes Vatican II. He's, quote, Therefore, while we are warned that it profits a man nothing if he gains the whole world and loses himself, the expectation of a new earth must not weaken but rather stimulate our concern for cultivating this one. Why do I go to work every day? It's because I'm cultivating this world in the light of the kingdom of God. That's why. I am here as a witness to hope. What a vision for your job. I am here to claim in the midst of the difficulty, the poor management, the project management that's all over the place, the difficulty in tracking things, not having the right tools, all of the reasons you have to complain. I am here to fight that good fight and to run that race through to the end. Why? Because when I get to my finished product, I'm actually seeing a glimmer of the resurrection. I'm actually seeing a glimmer of hope for the kingdom to come. Maybe this is something we can do more in our workplace, celebrating the victories. Our managers, maybe you don't do a good enough job of affirming your workers and celebrating them and who they are and what they've achieved because what they are doing is extraordinary. Out of nothing, they're bringing something. Out of chaos, they're bringing order. Out of disorganization, they're establishing justice. And they're doing it in a way that's repeatable, in a way that's simple, in a way that's marketable, in a way that will influence our world for the better. It's a, it, it, and if I embrace that vocation from deep within, 
then indeed it's worthy of my time. I'm fighting for the kingdom to make a world where trade is done well, where patents are formed legally, where ideas can flow in, in more energetic ways, where innovation is encouraged, a place of peace and security on our streets. All the different jobs in this world contribute towards that coming of the kingdom. The fruits of our activity, says John Paul II. And this is the fourth step. The first right is change your attitude about yourself. The second is to change your attitude about your job. The third is to change your, is to realize that your work is a witness to the resurrection and to engage in the fight for that job and the fight for that toil in the name of the victory of the resurrection. And the fourth step, he says, to making your work a prayer and the spirituality of work. He says it comes by realizing that what the work does inside of you and the very process of working itself is the point of work. He says these, he says this, in these present reflections devoted to human work, we have tried to emphasize everything that seemed essential to it. Since it is through man's labor that not only the fruits of our activity, but also our human dignity, brotherhood, and freedom must increase on earth. Let the Christian who listens to the word of the living God, uniting work with prayer, know the place that his work has, not only in earthly progress, but also in the development of the kingdom of God. Why? Because in that work, I cooperate with others. I form unity. I apologize. I fight through my skills, my, my weaknesses. I hone my skills, and I do the same for my fellow human being. What would this world look like if we stopped working? What kind of sad and dark place would befall us and be present in our world if we didn't work? Imagine where all of the advances of our human society would be if it wasn't for Christians fighting the good fight and picking up their shovels and going to the mines and going to the desk. My friends, I'm here to say that Christ is calling you into the workplace. It is not an option. It is not for a time in our life. It is a noble witness to the resurrection because every time I work, I engage actively in hope. Christ is working with me. Christ is working through me. And I work in and through him for the betterment of this world, the betterment that I believe in, enough to engage in my toil. What a vision. It's the vision that John Paul II puts forth for us in Laborum Exertions. It's a vision of the gospel, the gospel of war. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.